everyone. Welcome to uh, Build at Home, another edition. I am uh, your host from his home in Bushwick, Brooklyn, Ricky Camilleri. Uh, I'm talking to Tom Caliccio from his home in Brooklyn. Uh, we are homebound. We are isol- We are self-isolating. Uh, Tom, before we get started, I just want to say really fast, we've been saying this at the top of every interview, uh, 438 million school lunches have gone missing yes. for students across the country due to closures, due to school closures because of the coronavirus. Uh, if anybody is watching this and they are um, interested in finding out how they can how they can help these children get lunches, please go to nokidhungry.org. Um, uh, on that note, Tom, thank you so much for being here. I know that you yourself are doing a lot for for charity right now you're also you've organized the independent restaurant coalition uh mm-hmm. during this how uh how are you it's kind of day by day i feel like for everybody no matter how busy we're keeping ourselves how are you doing today how are you feeling um you know okay um uh this is day five of, of the homeschool or distance learning which is presenting its own challenges um wow uh you know i think i think we're finding out uh more and more uh uh, who's essential. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, hold on a second. and, uh, you know, teachers, um, are, are definitely underpaid. I can tell you that. Um, you know, that said, um, independent restaurant coalition, uh, yeah, every day changes. Um, you know, we, we feel we make progress and then, uh, it's, you know, one step up, two steps back. Um, you know, we're fighting hard to make sure that culinary workers, um, Number one, uh, get paid through this crisis, and number two, have a job to come back to when when we get through the other the other end of this. Um, uh, the work that I've I, been doing around hunger it was actually that most of the work that I, I I got involved with early on happened over a month ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a news junkie. When I saw this crisis starting to happen uh, in China and then spread to uh, Asia and then to Europe. Um, I started making some phone calls just to say, you know, figure out what's the plan here because it looked, it looked like, uh, you know, schools would have to close. And my immediate thought went to 30 million children who, uh, are in the school lunch program, um, and who rely on, on breakfast and lunch at school. And if those schools closed, what would happen? Um, uh, and so, uh, it's great here in New York City, the school systems are still putting food out. And I think I saw it was today that it was announced that not only children could go, but anyone can go and, and receive a meal at the, the, some mm. of these community feeding centers that, that in schools. Uh, so that's great. Um, you know, the big issue right now is uh, a lot of the, the anti-hunger organizations, uh, this is the time of year when they do their big fundraisers. Um, you know, when City Harvest does their big fundraiser and, and uh, No Kid Hungry does and uh, uh, when New York Food Bank does and one of the charities that I'm closely associated with, uh, Children of Bellevue. And, you know, that event, we would raise, you know, Somewhere between you know half million seven a uh, half million to seven hundred thousand dollars, and that's a big part of our budget for the year. And you know, same thing. You know, Food Bank of New York. It's a it's a you know two million dollar fundraiser. Same thing with City Harvest. It's even more than that. So, so you have the need is greater. You know, I, I've been saying this for a while that that we're um, I used to use climate change saying that we're one climate disaster away from more people needing assistance, uh, whether it's unemployment or, or SNAP. Um, we saw that during Hurricane Sandy where the need just grew because people were out of work. Um, and, and now um, the, the need is going to, is just going to absolutely grow. I mean, you saw the numbers yesterday, 6 million people uh, were seeking unemployment. Um, this is going to be some real tough times. And the organizations that know how to feed people that are on the front lines of feeding people, um, number one, they're getting cut off from their funding. And number two, um, they rely on volunteers and 
people are told to stay home. So this is a a, a sort of a double whammy for them right now. And so we're talking in New York, uh, you know, 2.5 million uh, adults um, who have to use food banks or SNAP. And so, God, we're we're looking at it. We're looking at a a big problem. Um, You know, one of the solutions that we're looking at through the Independent Restaurant Coalition is, um, and then I saw a plan come out of uh, um, Congress, I think Velasquez's office, um, that we can turn restaurants into community food uh, feeding centers. And so we know how to feed people, especially if you if you get a lot of restaurants involved. I think right now they'll pay up to a, a half million dollars for restaurants to pay their employees and to start purchasing food to give out um, to communities. If they spread this over a bunch of restaurants, you won't have the choke point of going to one place. Um, you, you'll find a neighborhood, you know, places in your neighborhood where you don't have to walk too far, where you can come and there's a system set up where you can pick up food. Um, you know, for me, I've been very reluctant to do, um, uh, to, you know, pick up in my restaurant. I don't want my employees to come out for commerce. You know, it, I'm trying to make a couple, couple thousand dollars a night. I don't want to put my, my employees in harm's way. And I'm not, uh, casting aspersion on, on anybody else who, who does this. People have to do what they have to do for their business. But I just didn't feel like I want to do it. Now, if I were feeding hospital workers or I were feeding people in need, people who couldn't afford to go out and get food, I would ask my employees if they wanted to come in for that. I wouldn't mm-hmm. tell them I had to. I would ask them, knowing that there's a, there's a risk, knowing that my employees have to take public, public transportation to get to work, knowing that you're going to be working in somewhat close proximity to other people working. So there's a risk involved here. Knowing that, is it worth to feed people who can't, who are struggling to feed themselves? I think that's worth, I would go to work for that. Right now, I've been home for two weeks. Um, I've only left the house to go, you know, walk around the block with the kids. Um, uh, getting delivered. So I'm being really careful about this. Um, um, we do have family members who, who are sick. They don't have, um, uh, they're not in the hospital or they're, they're home dealing with it, but so we're taking this very seriously. So I, I would ask my staff to come in and I would, I would consider doing that if I knew that I were, were doing this to help feed uh, people in the community, but it's, you know, uh, it's good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tom. I didn't mean to interrupt. You. No, go, 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 go. You said something at the top of this interview and uh, there's a number of things that I, that I want to talk to you about. I think this is such an incredibly important time for this discussion, but you said something at the top of this interview that I've heard you talk a little bit about in other interviews as well, which is that we're realizing who the essential workers are. And it feels like we're realizing a lot about our society right now. And I think someone who runs restaurants is really kind of at the forefront of realizing that simply based off of, as you've said, the profit margins and how slim the, the sort of the safety net is for restaurant workers and, and, and restaurants in general. What do you see, what do you hope we could possibly come out of this with? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's a question that some of us are trying to figure out because I don't think that the restaurant industry will function the way it has um, going forward. Um, things will have to change. But, but again, something this drastic, I don't think there's a safety net that an employer, especially an employer in a restaurant business could have, could have foreseen or figured out. Um, you know, even in my case, um, uh, you know, every, every year we are putting money back into our restaurants. And so this past year I spent almost $300,000, um, re redoing, um, our private dining room. Um, we also had, we opened a restaurant, so there was money that we spent there. So our CapEx expenditure this past year, uh, was, was pretty robust. And that's the decision that we make not to give money to partners. 
um, but to put back into the business. And so that's how a lot of restaurants function. Um, uh, you know, especially in the higher end restaurants where you got to constantly keep up. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know how you create a safety net to, to, to this extent. My feeling is that we need to create a better safety net for the country. Yeah. Um, the way that business is, is being done over the last 20 years, I think that we have to start looking at the idea that uh, publicly traded companies are quarter to quarter looking at their earnings, earnings. And if they don't hit numbers, they just get crushed by Wall Street. That has to come out of somewhere. And lately, it's, you know, it, it comes out of the workforce. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with closer to full employment, workers had a little more power. They just lost all that. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answers. I know, I know that there's, uh, it, it's being discussed right now. What, how do we, how, how does this look differently? Um, you know, for us, there's some things where, you know, looking at, at the workforce and the way tips are, are dispersed and the way tips have a hold on the restaurant, you know, business in general and waiters. I mean, there's been a, move, a movement to get rid of them. Uh, maybe it's time to do that and go to where someone's getting a, a, very good hourly wage or they're getting paid, you know, a salary like uh, other exempt workers and other businesses. Um, and again, this isn't to take advantage of anyone. This is to, to make it fair. I mean, what I'm hearing right now is for unemployment or for, um, uh, for PPP, for, for restaurants that can actually take part of the stimulus. Waiters are saying, well, how do you calculate tips? Well, if you didn't have tips and you just got a straight hourly wage, it'd be a lot easier. Now, in my restaurant, all of the waiters actually receive their gratuities on a paycheck, so they can actually prove how much they've been making. So they're going to get compensated. That's fine. But a lot of restaurants don't do that. And so, you know, again, is it is it is it time to look at the way we treat restaurant workers and, and professionalize them and, and and treat them like the professionals that they are, as opposed to you know uh, disposable workers? Uh, I'm not saying that the whole industry does that, and, and we certainly don't. But um, but you see how fragile our businesses are. And so, but to me, this brings up a, a bigger issue. And this is always, you know, my, my wife made a film, A Place at the Table, about six years ago. And the thesis of our of her film was that if we want to end hunger in this country, we need a larger government response to end hunger. If we want to end hunger, we can. And most people calculate, you know, who are, who look at this, these issues and think $30 billion a year could end hunger in this country. And then there's, there's some great reasons why you should aspire to that, especially when it comes to children. Children are going to school hungry. They can't possibly learn. They fall behind. And so if we believe that education is the key to upward mobility, but yet we're sending our kids to school hungry. Now, let's stop blaming the parents. People get into situations for all kinds of reasons. And I think now, there, there, there may be, uh, because people are realizing how quickly you can not have a paycheck anymore and how quickly money's going to run out when you still have expenses and there's no money coming in. And so maybe there'll be some more empathy for people who are struggling. And so, but we, 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 again, the, 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 the film looked at how there's been a huge charitable response to try to fill in the gap between what the government does um, and what the government doesn't do. And there's this huge charitable response. And so, you know, we would think that all the anti-hunger organizations, people who, who know how to feed people, people on the front lines trying to end hunger, there's going to be a role for them. But instead of going out there and doing fundraisers to get funded, the government should be funding them. Mm-hmm. And it should be robust. And so people are taken care of. And now maybe because of this crisis, now maybe people will understand why that's important, why it's important that 
people who are struggling, who uh, are, 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 you know, cobbling together coupons and going from place to place and sometimes traveling, you know, three or four miles because where they live, they don't have, they don't have uh, supermarkets and they got to take various modes of transportation to get there. You know, this is, this is not the way we should, we should treat people who live in America. And maybe that maybe just maybe there'd be more empathy for this and a better understanding. And so what we're looking at though is because it's so extreme right now, we need a government response. I mean, the idea that this government who for the last 30 years told us that government's the problem, you know, going back to the eighties, government, government's the problem, big government's a problem, government get off the, off the neck of the worker of, of, of businesses. Okay. This government. All of a sudden, within a very short time, put a bill out there that essentially just paid people, if it actually works out, $2 trillion just went into the economy from the federal government to try to prop up our, 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 our businesses and trying to, 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 to prop up um, uh, our, our financial systems. And so, see, if they could find two, you know, $2 trillion like that, you know, well, why can't they find 30 billion to fix hunger, to end hunger? Why can't they find enough money to actually fund health care? Mm-hmm. Where um, would the money come from? <laughs> where would right? the money come from? Where, where's, where's finding, the money? Yeah. The money's coming from somewhere now. But, you yeah. know, again, you know, even, even, even the idea that as a government, we shouldn't be stockpiling massive amounts of equipment. You know, listen, the hospital is the work doing right now is amazing. But a for-profit hospital, there's no reason why they're going to stockpile tons and tons of equipment to keep in a warehouse somewhere to get ready for a rainy day. It's just not part of the business model. And so if that's not part of the business model, where does government, what role does government play to make sure this doesn't happen? And so this is what I think can happen right now is I think that people are realizing that it's not about big government or shrinking government down to the size that you could drown in a bathtub, you know, a little Grover Norquist uh, uh, idiom. You know, we want smart government. That is that that has its priorities in place, that knows how to react to its constituents in times like this, and not only in times like this, but when people are struggling. And so, hopefully, that's what's going to come out of this. I, I, I you know, that's that's all I hope for. You know, for me, I, I'm an optimist. I, I have to look at the a silver lining somewhere, and that's what I hope we come out of this. A, a yes, you know, not not. Uh, Kind of wrapping it up and saying oh, a more compassionate, you know, government, a government that actually is compassionate, not that, not that acts compassionate when it needs to. But uh, I, that's that's kind of, you know, what I'm what I'm hoping for. Have, how have you been um, disappointed, or have you been alleviated in some way by this government's current response? How have you felt about it? I'm feeling great about Congress right now that they actually got together so quickly. Um, you know. Um, my understanding from the people that I talked to on the Hill is that people were working together. Um, and, you know, hopefully that continues. Um, we need a lot more and we need a lot more of it. Um, you know, I think, I think the, for the most part, the, the White House has been somewhat divorced um, from, uh, from those conversations. Uh, I mean, the Treasury Secretary seems to have played a role here, but, um, and I think that, I think that's good right now. I think, um, you know, uh, but I, I, I am, um, uh, you know, some solace in the fact that that you know, we're putting together partisan um, issues and, and focusing on what's best for for the country and for the people here. So yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm a bit hopeful.
Um, and the actual, we, the actual, the actual response to the virus that that's been as, as piss poor as you could possibly imagine. That's just been terrible. Um, the idea that we didn't know about it. Uh, I just read something that in May there was a memo that went uh, to the White House um, from from Bolton's office explaining that we are not prepared for something just like this last May. So, no, the, the, the response that we've had, our, our governors had to this has just been as bad as it possibly could be. Um, you, we briefly touched on the Independent Restaurant Coalition. We didn't really talk about exactly uh, how it came about and, and, and what exactly you're, you're, you're trying to do. Well, you know, it came about when a friend of mine called me and said that he had a foundation and wants to help. And I kind of said, well, charity's not going to do it right now. I think we need a bigger response. Um, I received another phone call from a friend of mine who I worked with when I was at Food Policy Action. Uh, he was a lobbyist that we worked with. And half joking, I said, I think the independent restaurant community needs a lobbyist. And he said, OK, let's do that. Called okay. my friend back and said, I think I know what you can do at your foundation. And uh, and he had already been talking to a bunch of restaurateurs. We started uh, our discussion, and I think all of the work that I had done around my wife's film um, and with Food Policy Action was really a dress rehearsal for this moment, uh, because for me, it, was, it wasn't about, let's pass the tip cup right now. Uh, it was about, let's get involved and make sure government is responsive. And so um, we started with a small group and very quickly found another 100 chefs and restaurateurs down south that were working on issues, found another, you know, uh, 100 or so people in Chicago and Illinois that was looking at this issue, some in Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, and other restaurants in New York, and very quickly pulled together leaders from each of these coalitions to come together and form the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Within two days, we, we had funding, we hired lobbyists, we hired a firm out of D.C., and we hired a comms director. Um, so we're working, you know, in, in we're in these meetings. Um, and the great thing is all the stuff that we want the lobbyists kind of can actually figure out um, uh, how to work that into the current bills, who to talk to, you know, is it someone from judiciary, from someone from the treasury, is it someone from small business? You know, how do you go there and pull all these levers to make sure that the needs of the small independent restaurant community is heard? Um, And so we have people, you know, in the rooms, you know, virtual rooms these days, um, having these discussions and, uh, and it's on an ongoing basis, you know, the, uh, the CARES Act, it's a good first step. It's not going to. It's not going to get us anywhere near where we need to go. Um, but uh, these these conversations are are ongoing, um, and so uh, you know that's that's how it formed, and that's that's what we're focused on. We talk about independent restaurants. You're basically talking about small businesses. How much do you find that representation for independent restaurants, small businesses, is actually affecting people outside of just owners of restaurants or people within restaurants? people who manage restaurants that so you're actually now talking about kind of the, the low income worker, the minimum wage worker, the worker for tips at this point. Well, not only um, yeah. you're also talking to, uh, about mid, mid-level, mid-level and senior managers as well in restaurants. You're talking about, um, but again, yes, we're talking about the 11 million people that independent restaurants employ. Yeah. And um, in, in a lot of restaurants, waiters actually do pretty well. Uh, not all restaurants, but I know what my waiters make, and, and partially that's tips, and partly it's because of the expense of my restaurants. And, and um, but um, so you're talking about 11 million people that we employ. Now think about who we indirectly employ: the yeah. fishermen, the farmers, the cheesemakers, the winemakers, the person who you know gives us our linen, the florists, 
the musicians who may play on a Sunday brunch. Um, you know, my suppliers, my supply chain is probably 70 people deep. Um, and so if you count into, if, if you look at all the ancillary businesses that we support, it's probably closer to 20 million people. And again, because we're so spread out, these are, you know, th- these fishermen, these farmers, these musicians, these florists, they're all over the country. It's not just concentrated in one place. And so if, if dollars are coming through, and this was where we were disappointed with the CARE Act, is we thought there'd be money there to pay our suppliers as well, not just our staffs. Because if mm-hmm. we paid our suppliers, they could pay their suppliers. You keep that whole ecosystem going. Um, but that's where it fell short. So right now we can use that money to pay rent um, and to pay utilities and to pay our workers. And so, but then there's a problem there too, because uh, unemployment is so robust. Our workers are saying, well, if I come back, you only can pay me for two months. I don't think it'd be open in two months. So I'm back on unemployment again. And yet I have to, as a, as an owner, if I tap into the care act, um, the uh, point of origin on that, on that loan starts when I fill out the app, when I put, when I submit the application. So if I get funding, I have till June 30th to hire everybody back, but the clock starts ticking. Okay. So I have two months. I'm not going to be open in two months. And so we're trying to get them to change the date of origin back or, or, or we want to go double it up and get, you know, uh, an additional, uh, you know, an additional two months at least, or make it work where my employee, my employees can stay on, on, on unemployment. And then when I open up, I hire them back and I can pay their payroll for two months because when I open up, I'm not going to be busy. There is no way. Let's just say I open in September. I'm not going to be busy. I mean, maybe I'll run a 25% capacity. So if I had that money then where I could keep my, my entire team on, and even if they were working three days a week, I'm going to pay them for the 40 hours or pay them for, you know, five, five full shifts if they're waiters. And, and then I'd have that for two months until business comes back. That would make more sense. And so the mechanics of, of this bill right now aren't really helping uh, helping restaurants. And so this is, this is what we're focused on, trying to change some of these rules. What about, what about rent when it comes to paying rent for restaurants? Most restaurants don't, don't own the building. They are paying rent, a large majority of them. Uh, yet, I mean, I think specifically in, the, in, in New York, uh, landlords don't have to pay mortgages. Do you think that restaurants or small businesses should be, uh, shouldn't have to pay rent at the moment? Because there should be a rent strike of some kind? Well, um, let me just correct one thing. Uh, a lot of, of buildings do have mortgages. Yes. Um, they, they, they do. And so if, if I'm on the ground floor of a building, that building may have a mortgage out. And if my, if, if the income they're getting from me, uh, doesn't flow up, they can't pay their creditors and their creditors may foreclose on their building. So it, it's not as simple as going on rent strike. Um, uh, I mean, right now, the things that I'm hearing is, is, you know, usually we have to pay a security deposit. That could be as much as, you know, six months. They should be drawing down off the security deposit right now because, right. and, and, and just use that. And, um, are, you know, I'm finding, you know, so, uh, my, my understanding is some landlords are, are actually working with people and some people are saying absolutely not. Um, you know, small businesses that don't have a lot of money, um, tied up in their four walls. Okay. Restaurants do because we have elaborate HVAC systems and, uh, fixtures that are on the walls and things like that, that you can't take with you build a bar. You can't, you can't take the bar with you. That's a fixture. Um, but, um, so there's a little more negotiation there because we don't want to leave those leasehold improvements behind. But if you're a store and you have a couple of counters and 
you know, you can take everything with you. You could probably look at force majeure and get out of your lease and walk away and then reopen somewhere else when the rents go down because they will go down. And, but that's a, that's a, a chance you have to take there where restaurants, you can't walk away. If, you know, you know, restaurants these days aren't cheap. You're talking, you know, anywhere from several hundred thousand dollars to $10 million for a build out. And Didn't so, you just say you put up a, a million for a new restaurant recently? Well, too? Yeah, but only because the landlord put a bunch more money in. Um, <laughs> and so we got TIs. But then the thing is, when you get those those tenant improvements, you pay it back in rent. Your rent's higher. And so you yeah. still pay it back somehow. And so, um, you know, you can't walk away. And on top of that, the TIs that, that, that my landlord put in, um, I personally guarantee those. So I, I can't walk away from that. So I have to work with this landlord, try to figure something out. I mean, what you don't want to do is, you know, you get through this, you figure out you can't open up, and all of a sudden I owe a landlord, you know, $4 million that I personally guaranteed. That's not going to help anyone. And so, you know, this is, it's a lot, it's, a, it's, it's much more complicated than most people think. Even suppliers, a lot of chefs out there, restaurateurs, owners of businesses have personally guaranteed those, 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 the creditors. And so someone's going to come back to me and say, I have your personal guarantee on this. You know, you got to pay me. You know, that's my biggest fear about, about the CARES Act and about the bills that the bill that they pass and the bills that they're trying to pass is that the devil is in the details and that these things are incredibly complicated and nuanced. And in some respects, it doesn't feel like the details are being as paid attention to as they could be for the sake of getting something out very quickly and saying, look, we did it. We did something. We did something. But everybody right. else is coming back and saying, well, actually, I can't get this loan because Bank of America is saying that I have to be a borrower to get the loan right. now. And I, I'm not a borrower here. I've just had my own. I've just had accounts or, right. you know, it's twelve hundred dollars, which is not that much. You know, it's not that much. It's not that much money for people. Well, the twelve hundred dollars is the check that the Treasury is sending out to everybody who's made less yes. than whatever it is. I mean, that's. Yes. Yeah, it's, different that's than a, the, it's different than the lending. But yeah. Yeah. Um but, uh, you know, again, I, I, I think that if, if the CARE Act, what I'm hearing is in, in 4.0, they're going to try to fix all these technical issues. That's what we're hearing from, from everybody. They knew they sent this out quickly. They knew there were problems with it. Um, and they're going to try to fix all this. Now, that, that doesn't get the money out the door right now. Again, my bank, um, they, they're, not, um, they're not issuing uh, uh, SBA 7As. Um, they're trying to. But they're literally not getting enough information from Treasury to make a decision whether or not there's liability on their end and what they have to do. And so it's, this is, uh, uh, it, it's, you know, it, it, it just makes me nuts when I see, uh, you know, the Treasury Secretary go on, you know, sit in front of a podium and go, you know, tomorrow everything's going to flow. Everything's going to happen. And they know it's not. And you, you have Jamie Dimon saying, we're not lending money. The biggest bank. Well, second biggest bank, I think, behind Wells Fargo, saying, no, we're not ready to do this. And yet they're up going, yeah, it's all done. It's all ready. It's like, come on. It's like, just just be honest. If it's going to take an extra couple of days, say it's going to take an extra couple of days and fix it. I mean, the frustration right now, and this is the problem, is that employees are frustrated because they don't know how to access this money. Oh, I'm sorry. Employees are frustrated because employers don't know how to access this money and don't really know what information we can give to our employees. Landlords are frustrated because they don't know if we're going to have money to pay them. Banks are frustrated because they're not getting the information from the treasury. And so everyone's just kind of not quite under, they don't understand how this all works. And everybody's sitting here trying to figure out like, what are my options? And then you realize that as a business person, as an employee, as a banker, 
you don't have good information to make a good plan. And without that, everything is just, just frozen. And so, you know, who, who knows? I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, by the end of today, my bank has, has good information and they, can, and they can, you know, start issuing these loans. But right now, I, it, we're in limbo. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, um, you know, everybody is getting, t- at this point, everybody is getting touched or is going to be touched by uh, COVID-19 in some way. And you yourself as of, has have as well, um, one of your uh, winners on Top Chef Masters passed away, uh, Floyd Cardoz. Um, can you talk about what it was like hearing that news and tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, I, I knew I knew Floyd was sick, um, and uh, I, I assumed that he was a healthy guy, and he was, he was 59. I thought he was younger. I didn't realize he was 59. Um, I, you know, we all expected him to be okay, and then I, I got the news, um, and you know, it's just it, it brings it all home. It's just it's shocking. I mean, I had a young guy who managed one of my witchcraft stores uh, in his 30s who died. I just found out two days ago. Wow. Um, he wasn't with us anymore. He, he left about a year and a half ago. But still, he's known to everybody who worked there. And, and um, I have, uh, you know, family members that have mild cases but are uh, have been affected by it. Um, uh, I spoke to a colleague today that one of his cooks uh, died last night. Wow. Um, uh, we're going to start hearing more and more of this. I mean, you know, you see the numbers, and I'm not sure where we're at today. I mean, last night it was over 5,000 people. There's also tons of people dying at home. That yeah. you know, it's not they're not part of that five thousand because you know if you have to be diagnosed to die of COVID, but you're 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 dying of it and you're not in the hospital, and so these numbers are just going to continue to grow. We're all going to know people. Um, there's going to be stories. It's going to be like after nine eleven where the stories start coming out, and you know this is what's sad, and you, you can't get that back. I mean, Floyd, um, you know, I, I've known Floyd for about twenty years. Uh, you know, when I was uh, partners with Danny Meyer, Floyd was was working at Tabula, was part of that whole restaurant group, and I, I knew him pretty well. And um, you know, even now, I've talked to him about once once every other month or so. And usually, we talk about business and what was going on. But you know, the thing with Floyd is, and everybody says this, and this is true, every conversation you had with Floyd, he would talk about his family, always, mm. always what his kids were doing. He was really proud of them. They were in college, and. Um, uh, you know, that, that's, he was a, just that kind of guy, you know, he, he, um, it's just, this is devastating. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend that someone who, you know, you talked to short, you know, a little while ago who was healthy and, and just, you know, gone, gone, um, and this is where you get frustrated. And this is where you get frustrated with, um, quite frankly, our government's response when they, they saw this happening and didn't take the necessary steps to, to make sure that, that, you know, we were protected. Um, I have to let you go, but before I do, City Harvest has been deemed an essential service by Cuomo, yes. by the by New York, and you were talking about how these places are having trouble finding volunteers right now. So what can people do for, for City Harvest? Um, listen, they need, they need money. Um, if, if you have some money to donate and, you know, a lot of people right now are, you know, they want to help. Everybody wants to help and every bit can help. Um, you know, when you're, when you're feeding hungry people, every single bit can help. And so, uh, um, you know, donate, um, uh, you know, after this is over, you know, think more about volunteering, but also 
you know, when this is over, what we need to do, you know, again, pass the, pass the charitable response, which is, is a noble response right now. But when we're through this, use your voice. Use your voice to tell government that having hungry children in this country, also having hungry adults in this country is not acceptable. Use your voice because you know what? Nothing ever stops from the top down. If you're going to wait for our, our, our members of Congress, and this is what I hear from members of Congress, if you're going to wait for them, something to come from the top down, it's not going to happen. It's got to come from the bottom up. And that's, you know, Billy Shore, who, who um, is uh, with No Kid Hungry, he always says this. This is, you know, he, we know how to fix hunger. There's certain things that we don't know how to fix. We don't know how to deal with wars in the Middle East, and we don't know how to deal with, you know, famines and places like that. And, and But hunger, we could fix. We have enough food in this country. We have the resources to do this. We just don't have the, 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 the moral and, 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 the, and the, 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 the courage of government to say, this is unacceptable and we will end it. And so use your voice. Use your voice to tell the people that we hire to help run the country and make our laws that this is unacceptable. Absolutely. Um, Tom, uh, it's been an honor talking to you, and I appreciate uh, greatly everything that you're doing right now, both with the Independent Restaurant Coalition, City Harvest, and using your voice uh, as much as you can. Thank you so much for joining me. Stay healthy. Thank you. Stay safe. You too. 